0: amen praise God (laughs) let's all stand again it's always good to see everyone in the house of God so good to see each and every one of you this morning amen what a privilege it is to be with you in the presence of the Lord amen we're gonna lift up our voices our hearts our hands unto the Lord our God we'll call out on his name Whenever we come together uh, in service, I know that it can get to the place where we're just doing it rote. We're doing it out of habit. We're doing it because that's what we're supposed to do, and I appreciate that. I really do, but I think if we could move beyond that and understand the awesome privilege that's being afforded us, when we enter into a place like this. I remember when I first came to the Lord, I had never felt the presence of God before. Not once. I didn't know that that was even possible. When someone said they heard from the Lord, that was because they were crazy. They hear voices. i I'd never considered the possibility that God speaks to people today, but He does all of that, and I feel His presence on a regular basis, and as human beings, we can get used to anything. Everything in our lives can eventually become mundane, and God forbid that His presence, that entering into the very throne room of God becomes mundane. Something that we take for granted. God is giving us an, an awesome opportunity this morning, and every time we come to the house of God, and we can be thankful for that. Not everybody is able to do this. There was a time that I wasn't able to enter into his throne room, but now I can. The privilege is mine to take advantage of whenever I want. And he's given us that opportunity here this morning to enter corporately into his presence, to receive of him something wondrous, something miraculous. Let's avail ourselves of that this morning, shall we? We're also remembering Sister Belle. She wanted to be here this morning. She had planned on being here, but she fell ill again. She thinks she caught something from... uh, Uh, a family member so let's continue to pray for her she'll be back eventually and we look forward to that amen let's call out on god let's avail ourselves of the opportunity he's given us here today amen lord jesus you're an awesome god you are a mighty wondrous glorious savior i am so thankful i am so very thankful for this opportunity that you've given us today you have given us breath you have given us the ability to come here this morning You've given us vehicles, transportation. Hallelujah, Jesus. You've given us both to will and to do of Your good pleasure. Help us, Lord Jesus, to make up our minds to enter into Your presence, to avail ourselves of this opportunity today. I will wait upon the Lord my God in this place. I will minister unto You this morning with my worship and with my praise and with my giving of thanks and with my complete submission and obedience to Your Word. To your will as you've revealed it to me. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I'm thankful for this opportunity you've given each of us this morning in this service to receive of you your good things, perfect things, wondrous things, miraculous things. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We look forward to all that you have for us here today, all that you're wanting to do in our midst. We give you glory, we give you honor. We worship You. We praise You today for all that You're about to do. Thank You, Jesus, for Your faithfulness to us, Your faithfulness to the covenant promises You've given us in Your Word. Hallelujah, Jesus. We're expecting again awesome things of an awesome God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship You. We give glory and honor unto You. We Lord and we magnify You. You are all together and ever worthy to receive all worship and all praise, to receive all glory and all honor. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. And we delight to do so. We delight ourselves today in the Lord our God, in the God of our salvation. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. And we rejoice in You, Thou Most High. You are our exceeding great reward. Thank You, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated this morning. Amen. This morning we're going to take our scripture text from Joshua chapter 24. While you guys are turning to Joshua 24, I want to say what a privilege and an honor it was to be in our men's conference, men's prayer breakfast yesterday. Our presbyter, Brother Parker, preached to us, and what a wonderful message it was. It is such a timely, necessary message, especially to men, that we be men of God. We need men. We need to be men. We need to be leaders in our church, in our families, in our communities. Whether you like it or not, you're the leader. God has instituted and ordained you to lead. You can go too far either way with that. As they say, there are ditches on both sides of the road. Some people are a little too comfortable with that. They want everybody to follow and submit, and they don't have to submit to anyone. Other men are very comfortable following, and that's okay too, but when God has ordained you to lead, you need to step up and lead. When God has given you authority, you need to exercise that authority in the fear of God. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Brother Parker, that was an awesome message, and I I appreciated receiving that. Joshua chapter 24, and verse 15, probably a familiar passage to most of us, says this, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's interesting to me that in this passage of Scripture, we don't see that anyone's being commanded to do anything, no one's being forced to do anything, but Joshua, the man of God, is asking the people of Israel to make a choice, to choose. What are you going to do? What will you do? And we're going to talk today about can't or won't. Can't or won't. Now, as human beings, there are some things that we simply cannot do, okay? The laws of physics preclude me from existing indefinitely at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. If you guys know what that is, it's the deepest part of the ocean. It's miles down. The pressure is enormous. It would crush. You'd be crushed long before you got to the bottom. It's freezing down there. There's no oxygen down there for us to grab hold of. There's oxygen in the water, but we don't possess the ability to extract that. So if I were at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, it wouldn't matter what kind of a choice I made. It wouldn't matter how motivated I got, how much I studied, uh, how much I exercised, and, and I can run 10 miles. It wouldn't matter how physically fit I am. I would die down there. Conversely, if uh, you uh, inserted me onto the surface of the planet Venus, I would not survive, and it wouldn't matter what I did. It wouldn't matter how physically fit I am, how smart I am. What I did wouldn't matter. I would die. The pressure is even greater than at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. The temperatures are over 800 degrees Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. It's a little bit warmer than it is here today. The atmosphere is primarily sulfuric acid. Uh, Good luck with that. It wouldn't matter what choice I made, I would die. So there are some things. I can't lift Mount Everest, no matter how buff I get. If I were twice as strong as the strongest man in the world, I still couldn't lift Mount Everest. It's just physically impossible. Okay, so there are some things that as human beings we simply cannot do, and it doesn't matter how much you want to, you're not going to be able to do it. But if you are physically able to do something, really the only thing stopping you from doing it is the will to. Yeah, but some things aren't legal. Well, that's true. I mean, there are other things that you're choosing to submit to. And I think that's a good choice. But at the end of the day, it's still your choice. You don't have to submit to the laws of the land, just like you don't have to submit to the laws of God. That is something that we choose to do. So at the end of the day, if you're physically capable of doing something, the only thing stopping you is the will to. You're just one choice away. Now, people in extreme situations make some pretty extreme choices. I found this story from a website called listverse.com. I'll tell you the title of the article after we're done reading. It says this, Aaron Ralston was a pretty normal guy, but he always had an extremely adventurous streak and a desire to travel and to see the world. During his childhood, his family moved to Denver, Colorado, a place offering many opportunities to climb mountains, explore, and ultimately become the adventurer he'd always wanted to be. Back in 2003, Ralston was climbing in the remote mountainous wilderness of southwestern Utah when the unthinkable happened. Aaron became trapped in a crevice in the rocks and pinned by a boulder that weighed over 360 kilograms, or around 800 pounds. The weight of the rock crushed his arm, and he was pinned by it. Aaron took photos of his bad situation, uh, which was going to get a lot worse, And as he waited for rescue teams to come remove the rock so he could get out and home safe. But rescuers never came. Aaron waited for them for days as his hope faded. He knew he had to do something. He was 18 meters, or about 59 feet, above the floor of the chasm he'd found himself pinned in, And he had a pocket knife. He made what must have been one of the most difficult decisions of his life. To amputate his own arm beneath the elbow in order to survive. I apologize for the graphic nature of this. But I'm making a point. Aaron cut the lower part of his arm off. Having to wrench his forearm against the boulder to break the bones. And then got himself down to the bottom of the canyon where he would begin to walk and search for help. Luckily, help arrived in the form of a helicopter that spotted him covered in blood. Aaron had tied off the wound to keep himself from bleeding to death pretty successfully and would eventually make it out alive. Ralston went on to become a motivational speaker and continued to travel and climb mountains. He didn't let an incident that forced him into the most strenuous of circumstances, cutting his own arm off, stop him from doing what he really loved. The article is titled, 10 Unbelievable Cases of Self-Amputation for Survival. Now, I would imagine that most of us sitting here today would think that I could never do something like that. I couldn't do that. And I'm thinking the same thing. That seems pretty extreme to me. With a pocket knife. To be able to do something like that. To make a choice to do something like that. But you can. It's just that right now, I don't want to. I have no need to. So I'm not going to. There's actually some kind of a medical condition. Where people want to do that to themselves. I'd I'd never heard of that before. People have a desire to cut their own limbs off. We can do some amazing things with the power of choice. Now, we've talked before about free moral agency, that human beings, out of all of God's creation, have been given the authority... The ability to tell God no. I don't think it's a good choice to make. I think it's the worst choice to make. But it's yours to make. God is not going to force you to do anything with your life. You can do anything you want, anything at all, as long as you're physically capable of doing it. The choice is yours. But here's the thing. With that choice, with that ability, also comes responsibility. We have a responsibility to use that power, that authority, wisely. And one day we are going to stand before Him and give an account for how we used that. But the fact of the matter is, That we can do anything we have the ability to do with the power of choice. Some of you may have heard of this person, Helen Keller. I think probably everybody has. She had an early childhood disease that rendered her deaf and dumb. She couldn't see and she couldn't hear. And when I first heard about this person, blind and deaf, I started imagining what that would be like. I can't see anything. I can't hear anything. You'd be trapped in your own body. You'd be a prisoner in your own body. How would you interact in any way with the outside world? How would you communicate with someone? Well, with some help, she found a way. She developed what's called home signs, over 60 of them when she was a young child to communicate with her family. Later, a person by the name of Ann Sullivan taught Ms. Keller hand signs. And I found this in an article concerning that. I thought it was especially poignant. Sullivan arrived at Keller's house on March 5th, 1887, a day Keller would forever remember as my soul's birthday. Sullivan immediately began to teach Helen to communicate by spelling words into her hand, beginning with D-O-L-L, for the doll that she had brought Keller as a present. Keller was frustrated at first because she did not understand that every object had a word uniquely identifying it. That's something that we take for granted. But she had no concept of any of this. When Sullivan was trying to teach Keller the word for mug... Keller became so frustrated, she broke the mug. But soon, she began imitating Sullivan's hand gestures. And This is Helen Keller speaking later on this subject. I did not know that I was spelling a word or even that words existed, Keller remembered. I was simply making my fingers go in monkey-like imitation. Keller's breakthrough in communication came the next month when she realized that the motions her teacher was making on the palm of her hand while running cool water over her other hand, symbolized the idea of water. Writing in her autobiography, The Story of My Life, Keller recalled the moment. I stood still, my whole attention fixed upon the motions of her fingers. Suddenly I felt a misty consciousness as of something forgotten, a thrill of returning thought, and somehow the mystery of language was revealed to me. I knew then that W-A-T-E-R meant the wonderful, cool something that was flowing over my hand. The living word awakened my soul, gave it light, hope, set it free. Keller then nearly exhausted Sullivan, demanding the names of all the other familiar objects in her world. Later, she learned to hear people's speech using the Tadoma method, which means using her fingers to feel the lips and throat of her speaker. As you're speaking, she'd feel your lips move and the inflections of your voice, feeling your throat. And she could... she could. Understand what you were saying from that. She learned to read Braille and she could use fingerspelling to communicate with, you know, spelling with sign language. She went on to become a world famous speaker and author, traveling to 25 different countries to give speeches and publish 12 books and several articles. Fascinating. There are a lot of people in the world. That would have given up. There's nothing I can do. I might have thought that way. If I had become deaf and dumb. What am I going to do? I can't talk to anyone. You can't talk to me. It turns out, where there's a will, there's a way. She made some different choices, didn't she? And she was able to do something incredible. Maybe I've heard Brother Arnold's testimony, how he came to the Lord. Maybe some of you have. And he makes a point of of one aspect of it. He had heard that, uh, you know, we Pentecostals we don't believe in smoking, we don't believe in drinking. And he's like, wow. What strange religion am I getting involved with? Every other church I go to, they're smoking on the church steps. (laughs) This is strange. Well, in any case, God convicted him of it, so he stopped. And he says it this way, No Holy Ghost. No power of God. He made a choice. People do that all the time. People stop smoking all the time with no Holy Ghost. They stop drinking all the time no Holy Ghost. Now it becomes quite a bit easier, I think, with the power of God behind you. But the point is, at the end of the day, if you're physically capable of doing something, you're just one choice away from actually accomplishing it. I mentioned brother Parker's message he uh he talked a lot about uh making up your mind to do something and I thought if you went any farther with that, I'd have to preach on something else this morning <coughs> <laughs> uh But we make up our minds to do things all the time. We make choices to do stuff all the time. Stuff we don't necessarily want to do. He brought up going to work. I think that's an excellent point. Who is really just excited? I can't wait. I know it's Sunday, but man, Monday's coming. I can't wait. I'm going to go to work. Now, there are a few people like that, and I've always envied them. I really do. If you're doing something you love, man, that's a blessing. That is awesome. But most people find themselves in careers or jobs that they don't always love. Sometimes they don't even like it. But they go to work anyway. They go to work knowing that the coworker that they had a fight with last Friday afternoon, is, they're going to be there. The boss is going to remind me of the mistake that I made again. but you're still going to go to work. You're still going to be there, want to or not. We pay the bills. I hate seeing that money go out of my bank account. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just keep it there? That way the balance stays nice and high. Well, I could choose to do that. Then the lights get turned off and the furnace stops running. Probably not a good choice, but I could see, yeah, I'll come repo my house. Good choice, right? Having to resolve an uncomfortable situation. Most of us don't enjoy doing that, but we do it. We understand the benefits outweigh the the negative uh, ramifications of it. We go to the doctor or the dentist. Why do we do that? Because it's fun. I love root canals. I can't wait for the next one. (laughs) I love going to the doctor and getting that exploration taken care of. We look forward to that, right? Nobody looks forward to that. But we go do it. We make the choice to do it anyway. Sometimes we get up extra early if you're not a morning person. Sometimes we have to stay up extra late. If you are a morning person, not by choice. Well, ultimately it is by choice. I could go to bed on time, but then I don't get the thing done that I need to get done. I could sleep in, but then I miss the appointment that I I have chosen to go to. We've already mentioned cessation of drinking, smoking, doing drugs. All of those things, ultimately, I'm not saying they're easy choices. I'm not saying that that's just a walk in the park. But it is a choice. At the end of the day, it's a choice. Getting along with someone you despise. You can be nice to someone that you don't like. You can choose to do that. We do it all the time at work. When I was doing drywall, there was a contractor. He was not the best example of humanity. Okay? I'm just going to leave it like that. He is not who I would choose to spend my, my weekend with if I had it to choose. I didn't like him, I didn't like him as a person. He was mean. He was petty. I, he's just really hard to, to get along with, really hard to, to relate to. But he gave me all kinds of jobs. So I didn't share with him my opinion of him. <clears throat> it was a good choice because he kept giving me jobs. Now, I could have chosen something different, and it would have felt really good probably for a little while until the money dried up, and I was making phone calls, hey, need some drywall done? I'd rather just get the phone call myself. Hey, we got a job. Can you do it? Yeah, you bet I can. Good sir. Thank you. So we're able to do that for mammon. We're able to make a choice to make sure the paychecks keep coming. Can I do that in church? Can I do that in a Bible study? I can make the same choice then. I heard one guy say, and I think it sounds right, we are commanded to love all people, not to like them. We don't need to be best buds with everybody. We need to love people, pray for them, minister to their needs, submit ourselves to them in ministry. But we don't have to be best friends. We can do anything that we choose to do. We can learn a new trade. Now, I've heard people say, I hear, I hear this a lot, and more and more it frustrates me. So, just now that you know that, don't say it to me. <laughs> okay? You can say it if you want, but this is, God just didn't give me that gift. God just didn't give me that talent. Does God give gifts and talents? Absolutely He does. But the reason you can't play the piano isn't because God didn't gift you with that. Do you know why people are gifted playing the piano? They practice a lot. When they could be spending time watching a television show, when they could be spending time with a friend, they're sitting here practicing. They're making different choices. And that's all it is. Now, I understand God does gift some people with musical talent. Some people pick that up a whole lot easier and faster than other people do. But at the end of the day, anybody with ten fingers and a foot can play the piano. Okay? Don't tell me that God didn't gift that to you. You just have made different choices. You haven't chosen to learn how to play the piano. Okay? It's not that you can't. It's that for whatever reason, you won't. And I'm not saying that's a bad choice. I'm not saying the choices you're making are wrong. I'm just saying you can. You won't. That's all. Yeah. But you most certainly can. You can learn a new trade. And it doesn't matter how old we are. We can learn a new trade if we really want to. We can pick up a new hobby if we really want to. We can learn to play an instrument. We can get good at a sport but I don't have any talent in that area. God didn't give me that gift. Oh, man, I wish God had gifted me like He's gifted you. Some people can sing naturally better than, well, me. But if I really wanted to, I could take singing lessons. I could apply what talent God has given me i have a voice i can hit different notes i can build on that if i really wanted to so it's not that i can't sing the weight of conviction is resting on me right now it's that i won't Uh, Moving on. (laughs) It's still true. I could if I wanted to. We serve God ultimately because we choose to. Why did Noah obey God? Because God forced him to preach. Because God held his family hostage until he obeyed. No. God commanded him to do some things. Build the ark preach but noah could have easily said nah not interested don't believe it gonna go do something else why would i build an ark when it doesn't rain and if i may take a little poetic liberty i have to wonder Did God ask anybody else first? Is Noah the first person that was asked? Maybe. It does say that out of all the other people in the world, God found Noah to be righteous. But Noah said yes. That's why we read the account that we do. Not because God commanded... Not because God forced him to. But because he said yes. Why did Joseph obey God? Because he chose to. Why did Moses obey God? Because it was better than tending sheep. Because I want off the backside of the wilderness. And this looks like a good opportunity. Eh, maybe. But ultimately it was because God Moses chose to say yes he chose to say yes and he chose to say yes to God even after he was off the backside of the wilderness and he was established as God's man and it became really difficult and the people wanted to stone him and go back to Egypt and they were dissatisfied with the current administration That didn't matter to Moses when it got hard, when it was really tough. He still continued telling God yes. Yes. Not because he wanted to. I don't think he always wanted to. But because he chose to. Tell God yes. In serving the Lord Jesus Christ, It is our choice. Nobody forces someone out of church. Nobody forces anyone into church. We choose. We will always have that ability, that power. Why did David stay faithful to God when he was on the run for his life? Why did God why did David continue to trust in God? even when it seemed like everything he was promised was gone. There's no hope now of me ever becoming king. I'll be, I'll be thankful if I live to next week. I have to imagine that in David's heart of hearts, he was doubting whether this was going to come to pass. But nevertheless, he continued saying yes to God. He continued to be faithful to God. And all of these choices were made without the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm not minimizing the power of God in our lives in this current dispensation. Okay, that's not my point in all of this. My point is that just because you don't have the Holy Ghost or you do have the Holy Ghost, it is ultimately irrelevant whether or not you're going to serve God. Whether or not you say yes to God is not dependent on you having the Holy Ghost. You can say yes to God without the Holy Ghost. You can choose to submit yourself to God without that. You need the Holy Ghost to be saved. I'm not minimizing the necessity of receiving the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. But let's not either minimize the power of free moral agency in all of this. God makes everything available that we need to make the right choice. But the choice is still yours to make. And only yours to make. Let's look at Jesus for a moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm going to demonstrate... That Jesus made a choice. He had a choice to make here. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 39. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So we see here the end result of this struggle. Jesus made the right choice. He said yes to the plan of God. Could he have chosen something different? My answer is yes. He could have chosen something different. Yeah, but the prophecies. Let me explain something about uh, predestination. Okay. Oh, it was prophesied, so he didn't really have a choice. Yeah, he did. That's not how this works. Okay, remember what we talked about the time stream. We are stuck in it. We see the present. We remember the past. We have no concept of the future except what God reveals to us. Okay? God is not on the time stream. He sees all of it simultaneously. Okay? It's kind of like if you can imagine it, everything's happening all at the same time for God. He sees what's going to happen in the future, and he can tell something about it in the present. Okay. Now whatever he sees happening, that's what he's going to reveal. From our perspective, we see well it's it's locked in stone. You can't you don't have a choice. You're predestined to do that. That's not true. He's just revealing in that prophecy what he already saw. And what he saw was the choice that Jesus made. That's what he saw. He's not predestinating anything. He's simply revealing the choice that he made here in in his present. Okay? So, he did have a choice to make. Let me nail this home. Later on in the chapter, 26, starting with verse 53. This is Jesus speaking, and he explains this. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and He shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? The answer to that question is yes. God would have given that. But He goes on. But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? Jesus had the ability to choose to train wreck this whole thing if He wanted to. He could have done that. And God would have allowed him to make that choice. The Father would have given those angels, even though the Scriptures would have remained unfulfilled. So the choice was His to make. But He made it. He made it knowing exactly where He was headed. Did he want to? Obviously not. He was praying for anything else. If it's possible, let's do something else. If it's possible, I don't want to go to the cross. Can you blame him? I don't. But he still chose to go to the cross. That's the only way he was going to go to the cross. That's the only way he was going to be killed is by His choice. He chose to lay His life down. That's the only way that, that the God of life was going to die. Is to choose. Jesus chose the plan of God over what He wanted right then. Don't believe for one second that Jesus couldn't have just walked away from the plan of God. He could have, but He didn't. He didn't. He chose to to... Follow it through to the very end. Thank God He did. Thank you, Jesus, that He did. If we decide to walk away from God or God's plan for our lives, ultimately it's because we've chosen to. We know the plan of God generally. Hopefully by now we all know the the plan of God for us specifically. Whether or not we followed that is up to us. I've talked with people that are, well, they were, hopefully not now, sometime in the past. They were embittered a little bit because they felt like they weren't given an opportunity to pursue their ministry? Okay, maybe, maybe not. Either way, what should someone do in that situation? I'm just not getting the opportunities that I need. I'm just not getting the opportunities I feel that that God wants me to have. I'm just using this one example. Who's in charge? God is in charge. Who ought we to commit these things to? To God. Let's go back to David for just a moment. He knew. He was anointed by the prophet to be king. I mean, there's, there's no discerning needed here. Well, is this really the will of God for me? <laughs> yeah, obviously it is. The established man of God came to you and anointed you with oil and told you that God chose you to be king. There's not a lot of room for error there. And yet, I'm not king. Not only am I not king, I'm going to be killed. Probably. He committed his cause to God. Even when Saul was delivered into his hand, he would not touch God's anointed. And I'll paraphrase, but he explained it to one of his men. Well, you know, something's going to happen to Saul. He's going he's gonna to fall in his enemies, or he's going he's gonna to die in his sleep, you know, Something's going to happen to him to make the plan of God move forward in my life. He committed that cause to God. It was in God's hands. The man of God, I feel like, personally, if Saul wanted to do anything right in his life, he should have just stepped down and let David be king, according to the plan of God. I think that's how it was supposed to happen. But Saul didn't do that. He held on to that position. Way past the time he should have held it. But it was David's choice to continue to follow the plan of God. Was the original plan frustrated? Yeah, I think it was. I don't think that's how God wanted everything to go down. But that's how it was going down because of somebody else's ability to choose. God can work around that. He's not going to be frustrated by that. And neither should we. The only thing we have the power to do is choose ourselves. I can't affect your choice. I can't affect somebody else's choice. But I can make sure that my choices are right in the sight of God. Commitment. Why don't we commit to things? That is almost a four-letter word today. Commit. I don't want to feel like I'm being nailed down to something. Why don't people commit? Because they don't choose to. They don't want to. They could commit. We can commit. We have the ability to do that. All it takes is a yes, I'll be there. See how easy that was? Easy enough. Yes, I'll be there. Yes, I can do that. Very short sentence. Almost monosyllabic words. Third grader could understand it. Could speak it. It's not hard. But it seems to be very difficult for people to do that. Why is that? Because they don't want to. They don't want to commit their time. They don't want to predispose themselves to something. But they could. We could. Why did Cain slay Abel? Because he was just born on the wrong side of the tracks and God dissed him. I mean, totally. I wouldn't accept a sacrifice, doing my best here, but it's never good enough. He chose to walk away. He knew what the right thing to do was, but he chose something different. What do you expect? Oh, that's okay, Cain. We'll just, that's fine. We expect that today sometimes. You do what you know you're not supposed to do. And then, well, that's, I understand. That's okay. No, it's not okay. You made a wrong choice. Now, you can recover from that wrong choice. God's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. Thank God. But what you did was still wrong. You made a wrong choice. Own up to that. It's okay to own up to your mistakes, to take responsibility for the choices you make, good and bad. You need to do that. Take responsibility for it, because it's your choice to make. No one's making that choice for you. No one else is making that choice for you. It's your choice it's your responsibility you get to deal with the consequences good consequences bad consequences but they're yours to deal with don't shove it off on someone else I didn't have a choice here yeah you totally had a choice here I don't have a choice I gotta go to work No, you do have a choice you can choose not to go to work and not get paid but you're still making a choice Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. I very much like and appreciate this passage of Scripture. It says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Okay, here we go. So I can't do something for God unless this takes place. No, that's not true. God gives us the desire to do something for Him. He gives us the ability to do something for Him. But we still have to make the choice to move forward. Ability and desire are meaningless without your choice, without your assent. I can say it this way. The I can and the I want to come from God. But the I will comes from you. The I can and the I want to come from God. The I will comes from you. All of that other stuff is irrelevant without your will, without your choice, without your assent. Most people want to be rich. right i don't I don't know of anybody if you asked them, "Would you rather be rich or would you rather be poor? Most people, probably not all, because people are people, but I think almost all people would say, I'd, "Well, I want to be rich. Well, why aren't you rich? You want to be why why aren't you? Most people that want to be rich have the ability to be rich. Now I'm not saying this is a, a worthy goal for someone's life to dedicate themselves to. I'm just using this as an example. I think the worthiest goal is moving forward in the plan of God. But let's just let's just use this for an example. I want to be rich. Well, why aren't you rich? Well, I was I was born poor. I was born black i was born an indian i was born native american sorry i was born can i say kraut because i'm a german german i was born irish what whatever it was i was born into this family i was born into this country i was born into this socioeconomic strata i was born into this uh i was born into communism i was born into capitalism and because of that i'm poor that is not true If you live in the United States, if you live here, you automatically have the ability to be rich. Now, there are different situations that will make it easier for you. I'm not denying that. If my dad is Bill Gates, I'm going to have an easier time with it than someone who's born into the Bronx. Granted. I will stipulate. However, there are people from the Bronx who have went on to become very successful. And there are people who had rich daddies that ended up being drunkards and drug addicts and living on the street. That is not an indicator of success. The indicator of success is the choices that someone makes. What are you going to do with the time that you're given? What are you going to do with your life right now? What choices are you going to make to move you forward in what you're wanting to do? If you, if you feel like you don't have a choice, you're just stuck here, this is all happening to me and I am powerless to affect it, then yeah, that's going to affect your outcome. Again, what you believe matters. It will determine who you are. Your beliefs will determine who you become. So, but if I believe I have a choice here, I can make a different choice. I can work hard at school. I can get the best grades that I can get. And I can get accepted into a good college. And I can make something of myself. I can talk to angel investors. I can persuade someone to have enough faith in me to trust me with some of their money so I can start a business. And not just because I think I can start a business, but because I've made choices. I've done research. I've done market analysis. I've done, I've talked to people within that industry. I've demonstrated that I'm serious about it. So when I go to an angel investor and they ask me tough questions, because they're going to give me money. They can ask me any questions they want. And they're going to ask tough questions. Trust me. I can answer them. I can demonstrate to them that I'm a worthy candidate for that money because of the choices that I've made. And because of those choices, people are trusting me with money and I can I can invest that. And because of the choices I've made in study and research, I know where to put that money. I know what to do. And now I can make something of myself. Versus my neighbor over here who didn't have a choice. He's in a gang in prison, or whatever it is. He made different choices. But the end results are vastly different because of one thing. Someone's choice. The ability is there. The desire is there. The Scripture says it. God has given you the desire and the ability to do what He wants you to do. All He's waiting on is you. He's waiting on a yes. He's waiting on a commitment. He's waiting on a choice. Choice is so powerful. We don't often understand how powerful the ability to choose really is. And we also don't understand because of it the awesome responsibility attached to that. We have a responsibility before God to make right choices, to use that ability, to choose to work for Him, to choose to say yes to God. We don't have to. But if we don't, we will give an account of those things of those choices that we made. We want to give a good account, don't we? I do. He has given us amazing, amazing freedom and liberty to do what we want to do. Make the right choices. Understand that you do have a choice. In all of these things, you have the ability to choose. Things aren't just forced on human beings. They're certainly not forced on Christians. Children of God, you have a choice in every situation. You're never powerless. Amen. Let's make right choices. Let's all stand.